Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party in Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's the day treating you? It's going really well. We got the day off work for launch. We're really excited and so much to go over. Yep. Today's one of those fun days that if you've been with us for a while, you know what happens. First episode of the new season. We're going into every single change in season 11, little patch notes episode, how we think it'll affect the meta, your play style, and how you can take advantage of those changes. And little spoiler, the game has changed quite a lot again this season outside of just adding a new map you know, which is going to be big in itself. Um, So if you want to know what we discuss and be ahead of the pack, take a listen in. Uh, Before we do that, though, if you enjoy the third party podcast and want more, please consider joining our Patreon community. We play with patrons, have an entire library of bonus episodes there that are all still relevant. Uh, And each month we do a discussion episode with every single patron and they get to contribute to the show, have their name read out. It's all great stuff. It'd be awesome to have you over there. Absolutely. It means a lot, all the support there, and it's sometimes overwhelming, so I really appreciate yes, it. very much. But today is a big day, big announcement. If you're here, welcome to the video podcast. If you are listening in for audio only, please do not stop. Downloading please. the show is very <laughs> important to us. It's the majority of the, the revenue right now, so it keeps the lights on. Nobody change anything. Um, but- If you are joining us on YouTube for the video podcast, big, big welcome. Now you get to experience the show just like we do. So this is our virtual studio. Mm -hmm. If you like the beautiful poster in the background um, to celebrate our video podcast release, uh, this is the very last week to get yours and have it signed by us. So don't miss out. Get yours now with the link in the description and in all of our social bios everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can find it anywhere you want. And if you can't, for some reason, shoot us a DM and we'll get it to you in any way, shape, or form. We're running low, though, now. Like, we are low, low now. So definitely get them in while you can. Um, but with that, let's do it. Let's dive into the Season 11 patch notes of Apex Legends. And obviously, the first and maybe most important thing. Maybe that's kind of hard to say. There's a lot of important stuff, but we got the new legend, Ash. And normally we talk about the new legend briefly on the past notes episode, but because of the ability that we got access to the preview event, uh, we're going to be doing a full in-depth breakdown of her abilities, team comp strategies, kind of answering the Wraith versus Ash question, all that good stuff that's coming on Saturday. So we're not going to talk about her a ton here. Just wanted to give you guys the heads up. And with that, we're going to dive right into the legend balancing and we got one legend this time around we got watson okay <laughs> so yeah, that's it that is it that is it and with that we got a very long explanation of watson so step aside you got a new level z reader coming in here to read these dev notes for you okay move aside ash this is watson season where ecstatic great pun to finally share some long-anticipated Watson improvements. Her win rate and encounter win rate have always been above average. This could be for a multitude of reasons. Her defensive playstyle correlates to high average placements. Watson mains are diehard loyalists, and her hitbox has been the smallest in the game ever since Lifeline's adjustment. Regardless, much of the high-level data that we've shared doesn't match perception. Play a few games as Watson, and you'll often find yourself wanting more out of her kit. 
The goal of these changes is to redistribute her individual power into parts of her kit that shape the battlefield in a unique way. We wanted to see what changes could spark more consistency and efficacy in her kit, and ideally ground some of the difficulties surrounding the way her abilities work. We want to enable more active gameplay from Watson players by smoothing out the rough edges and placing fences. Responsiveness tweaks, longer range, and faster cooldowns mean that Watson can much more quickly and reliably set up a defensive position or even use her fences and pylon in the midst of an open combat in a pinch. Now, okay, we got the dev note there. Before we kind of discuss what they actually changed I think you have some opinions on why we're maybe getting some a long explanation, essentially. Yeah, I, I think a lot of what the devs say here makes a lot of sense. And we certainly agree with it. Like Always sounds good on paper. Mm-hmm. It really does sound good. All these things are true. And the changes that they're posing do make sense in order to make her feel a little bit better. But I think it's important to note that it's human nature to be long-winded. Uh, or maybe write a little more than you should if you aren't super confident or you're desperately trying to explain yourself. So whatever they really changed about Watson based off of just this one page essay we got, it must be spicy or at mm-hmm. least a bit interesting. And I think it is. It, it definitely is. So like in general, they improve the placement location of fences. Now you can kind of see it at an above eye level. That's a brand new feature of the game. They increased the hitbox to compensate for low profile being removed. So now Watson's kind of in line with Lifeline. Interesting change. Obviously, like they mentioned, one of the big pros to Watson was the small hitbox. And now she's a bit more in line with Lifeline. We're going to rattle off these changes, okay? Tactical. Increased damage on crossing offense by 33%. 15 damage to 20 Increase debuff duration on crossing offense by 100%, 1.5 to 3 seconds. Increase the time allowance to be hit again by a subsequent fence effect by 100%, half a second to a second. Decrease the recharge time by 50%, 30, 30 seconds to 15 seconds. They increase the placement range by 50%. They decrease the delay from between fences shutting off and reactivating after an ally passes through them by 60%. So one second to 0.4 seconds. And Watson now moves at unarmed speed while readying, placing fence nodes. Fence nodes can now be placed as soon as the weapon is readied instead of waiting for the animation to finish. What are some of your reactions to the tactical? What do you think this means potentially for Watson and just that? Yeah, I mean, overall, fences are better. They're faster, they're stronger, they're Mm going to stun you more. Um, this is good. I mean, if you decide to push through a Watson fence, you're going to be severely punished more than you were before. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest complaints was that you can't be reactive with mm-hmm. uh, Watson. And one of the things that we've heard balancers talk about a lot with an Apex is making legends more reactive and kind of towing that line when need be. And it looks like this is a potential forceful effort to try and make her tactical more reactive to situations let's talk ultimate though they reduce the number of active pylons watson can place from three to one the pylons now last forever instead of timing out after 90 seconds the pylon now has a pool of 250 shields that can be distributed to nearby players instead of effectively infinite shields that it was before they increase the pylon shield recharge rate by 150 percent and smooth the regenerate from two seconds to five seconds, which is more accurately one to one and a half seconds to one and one and oh, 
0.02 seconds. What's the comparison for that from a shield cell perspective? Yeah, essentially what that means is that one cell of shields can mm-hmm. get charged in five seconds now from 12 and a half seconds before. So now it's a lot more time efficient mm-hmm. to rely on the ultimate to recharge your shields. Really solid. Like as a passive recharge rate, that's five times faster than Octane's regen to the health, and this mm-hmm. can affect the whole team. So this is a big, big speed improvement. It used to be when you put the pile on the ground, you hit a cell anyways. That mm-hmm. doesn't need to be the case anymore. You can just put the pile on on the ground and feel safe. Uh, when a pylon is out of shields, though, it no longer recharges player shields, but can still zap incoming ordnance. Taking damage while regenerating shields via the pylon delays continued regeneration by a second. That's an interesting thing to monitor right there. The UI on the ground and HUD elements now display the amount of shields that remain in the pylon. Pinging a friendly pylon will now display the percentage of shields remaining in the pylon. Pylon ordnance zapping has been moderately reworked. So the ordnance is now zapped when the pylon detects that it would be hit, that it would hit any surface within range and line of sight of the pylon instead of being zapped as soon as it comes within range. As part of the changes, current issues where the pylon doesn't reliably zap ordnance, particularly among concerning airstrike abilities and ordnance that bounced off surfaces near the pylon should now be addressed, which is great on that last point because right before the season ended, uh, I remember that, I don't remember if I was playing with you, but I was playing with a Watson and got absolutely melted by a Gibraltar bombardment, even though I felt like I was right there with the pylon. So it's nice that they've fixed what feels like a lot of these frustrations that players that did play Watson maybe had for, you know, absolutely grinding her and seeing like all the bugs and such that went on. Totally. I have to agree that all of this sounds good. And both the change to the tactical and the ultimate do make a lot of sense that it's now going to work as intended. Mm hmm. Overall, though, this is the longest change we've ever had to a legend ever, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and many people are thinking this might be a, a complete rework. Um, but what do we think overall? I think that this is very complicated, whether it's yes. a buff or a rework. Did it need to be this complicated in order to give Watson more power? Absolutely not. But there is a reason it's difficult to buff a legend like Watson. The devs told us that they experimented with Watson being able to use her ultimate on her back. So while on the move, mm-hmm. it didn't pursue that option. But overall, these changes are very good. In terms of quality of life, Watson is better at what she already did, which was desperately needed. That being said, these changes, in our opinion, mm-hmm. will not increase Watson's pick rate and will only satisfy the diehard Watson community for a few weeks. Now. Some interesting things about that community is that the pick rate of Watson the day of the patch notes being announced was 1.6%. Final day of season 10, it was 2.34. So before people even had a chance to play her changes, people were already excited about Watson. Mm-hmm. And the craziest thing that many people may not know is that the Watson main subreddit is the largest of any legend with over 20,000 members. So this is a loyal, Mm -hmm. loyal community. Mm -hmm. But I don't think these changes or buffs are really going to blow it up substantially. And honestly, if the patch note hype brought her from that 1.6 to 2.35 or something, then 
that would be a successful buff in of itself. That's a huge jump for any legend, especially one at the bottom tier. And that's fine if she's towards the bottom. We've talked about it endlessly. Like her play style is not indicative of a movement legend that's super fun and the reason you play Apex. But now you're going to see more success in doing so. I'm interested to see what the pros kind of have to think about Watson and see if she finds her way into comp at all anytime soon again. Uh, That's where she was born, essentially, was like as the comp love of everything. And so I do wonder if she'll be able to get back into that uh, state of play. And that would, I think, be the most interesting thing to me if we kind of had like, hey, Gibby and Watson aren't really pubs or ranked picks, but they do have a really strong spot in the ALGS just because Watson right now doesn't have that space and ranked doesn't have that space in pubs and doesn't have a space in the ALGS right now. So hopefully this can bring her maybe back into one of those three. Um, that would be my optimistic point of view, but I definitely could see this being a, we see a little uptick right now and back down in a week or so. I mean, for the exact reasons that you just mentioned, Watson was, and potentially still is in a really tough spot because Mm -hmm. why do you play her? You know, where do you play her? How do you play Watson? I think it's a big question, even though there's so many people that love the character. Mm-hmm. But I love the, the character. That, yeah. I'm a huge fan. I've been a Watson fan forever. Best skydive emote in my be. mind. She has the best res animation that's unique. Like she's fantastic in every way she ever formed. Totally. Very hard to kind of overlook liking Watson. But I think it's really crucial to admit that the fact that Watson isn't going to be at the end of this season in the top five or top 10 in pick rate, Mm -hmm. that's very good for the game. Not only is it okay, but it's actually in the very best interest of all the players. Because in a hero shooter like Apex, there are naturally going to be powerful and popular abilities. Stim, phase, scanning, grappling, passive, reviving, all are great abilities that are fun and rewarding to use. Attempting to give legends that have defensive playstyles or unique playstyles, like using decoy decoys, or if you try to give a decoy legend a similar amount of power as an octane or a wraith, that would fundamentally destroy the game. And we don't usually talk that extreme on the show, <laughs> but I think that it's quite a slippery slope if you have that mindset of we're trying to look for equity or equality among legends kit and their power look at what happened in the past like most frustrating metas and people's opinions were caustic and revenant metas per se and so yeah when those odd legends are dominating the top people are very frustrated watson is a more fun character than those two but she still feels like an odd legend from the playstyle perspective yeah she certainly is you know if designers continued to buff legends like Rampart, Watson, and Crypto until they were in the middle to the top of the pack. In terms of pick rate, the game would be filled with cheap kills and abilities just completely saturating the gunplay. Mm -hmm. The current balancing state has mobility concentrated at the top. If turrets, gas, death protection, and decoys were the most efficient tactical available, Apex would not be very fun, and it might suck overall. So... I don't know. Apex is predicated on and known for its movement. And it's just the reason that it makes sense that the most popular legends would play into that strategy. 
No doubt about it. And we're being totally like slightly negative about Watson. We've just seen the legends get buffs and then pick up and then fly right back down. If Watson's top five by end of season, like I'm happy to eat crow and we can have a whole nother discussion about that come towards the end of the season. I think it's very unlikely that that happens. Um, But for the Watson players that are out there, I really hope you enjoyed the buffs. And I hope there is a handful of people that see this legend now and give her a chance because she's getting some time to at least shine in the patch notes per se. And she's getting a really strong segment of this episode today just because of how many changes were made to her. So I think it's really exciting for all the Watson fans because she's just a fantastic character all around and has been on the back burner for a very, very long time. Let's talk about why there weren't other legend changes though because i think that's an interesting subject we talked about it for a little bit but we've seen people in our discord discuss as well like this is one of the patch notes that have had the least number of legend balancing ever and we have some kind of things to just talk about why that may be yeah i mean we got access to the preview event of this Mm -hmm. season and we kind of knew about all these changes but we were both kind of holding out on writing this episode because we thought there would be many many more changes like there normally Mm -hmm. is in the past Um, to put it into perspective this season has less than half of the legend and weapon changes as previous seasons Mm -hmm. including season seven which also had a new map so why is that like there is not any in-game proof of why it may be the case that there just was far less balancing in all categories. Yeah. So we reached out to uh, associate live balance designer, John Larson, friend of the show. Uh, He gave us a little quote on it. He said, as far as a lack of balance changes, part of it is the thing that is that things are feeling pretty good right now. Going into escape, nothing is sticking out like a sore thumb to me. Of course, we will still have hot topics like wall hacks, crypto quality of life, Gibby, crazy high pick rate and comp, path passive, etc., a lot of those things are still work in progress. And I think there's plenty for players to explore in the meantime, as far as meta is concerned. And that was what you told me at first. Like you were slightly sad that, you know, there weren't a ton of legend balancing changes, but optimistically, but pretty balanced. Like nobody feels incredibly overpowered right now. And I, honestly, yeah, I, I have to agree uh, with the dev here in terms of the state of the game is very good. You know, I don't think that there's anything that's really sticking out as bad. I think that all of the kind of hot topics are in a pretty good spot. I honestly Mm -hmm. think Caustic is pretty solid. I think Bloodhound is pretty solid. And that's kind of the most controversial and extreme that we get. Octane was up there, but now it's in a pretty good spot again. Yeah, but I think there's still the fact that remains that Seer definitely needs attention. Mm -hmm. Crypto definitely needs attention. Pathfinder, it'd be really nice to get something. Mm-hmm. So the fact that in a whole season release, we only get one change to a legend and it probably won't shift the meta at all, mm-hmm. it's a little underwhelming. So I understand a lot of this stuff is work in progress. Totally. But why wasn't it completed for this mm-hmm. season? I think is still out there hanging. And if this Watson stuff took a long time, like they've been working on it for a long, long time in the game. So I think we were expecting it a while back. So to get it now is really cool, but it's definitely, um, I think we could have, we were, we, we at least assumed we were going to get more and I'm not going to complain because I'm totally cool with what we have. Like, I think it's enjoyable. Uh, but we just wanted to also throw out the note that 
as far as we know, there's been no lead game designer that's been publicly announced to replace Daniel Klein since he left last season. So this is the first season without him taking on a large chunk of the balancing as we know it. Like we have had Daniel on the show multiple times and taking the serious lead on a lot of the legend balancing as his job kind of expressed. So no replacement there yet that we know of could definitely be an impact on why we got fewer changes this season. Yeah. And I think that maybe that will rub people the wrong way, but there's been a lot of staff turnover across the board. And in terms of, I think many players may assume that probably legend balancing is a team effort, that -hmm. there's a lot of people that are like involved in the process. That is true. 100%. We know that there are round tables. There are discussions about legends and balancing Mm -hmm. across weapons as well. But Daniel Klein was starting the ball for all those conversations. So we'll see, you know, maybe we'll be at the split and there'll be a lot of balancing. We'll be right Mm -hmm. back on track, but it's important to note that maybe we might just get less overall. If there's not going to be a a replacement, we're just kind of going into a new era, adjust your expectations. Yeah, totally. Let's dive into weapons, though. Let's dive into some weapon changes. We got a pretty good amount of them. And let's start with some of the shotguns. We're kind of going to let's let's batch these together and then kind of talk about them because they, they fit all together. So for the EVA 8, they reduced the fire rate from 2.1 to 2.0. A little dev note there. With the reduced bolt scaling we've done in previous patch passes, the EVA 8 is still performing ahead of the shotgun pack. Hitting the base fire rate should help balance out the shotgun roster. We got PK changes as well, slightly increased pellet size, choke up time reduced from 1.5 seconds to 1.25 seconds. The choked up shot remains tight for slightly longer when exiting ADS. And dev note, this is a quality of life and usability change. We also had a new hop up, the dual shell, which is going to be landing on the Mastiff and the 3030. Each round loaded in is doubled. So walk us through those shotgun changes. Is this enough to maybe bring the Mastiff up with the hop up? Is it enough to bring the Eva down to back below the PK or the Mastiff? Where where do you think we're sitting in season 11? Early prediction, quick. I don't need you to make any huge sweeping uh, (laughs) statements currently. We could obviously go into this in a full episode. We love the shotguns and Apex. Yeah, we've been talking about the shotguns a fair bit. Honestly, they definitely are in a pretty solid state, but where the Mastiff is, is just behind the pack and even Mm -hmm. behind the Mozambique in many metrics. Um, But the first thing to point out is that the EVA was purposely made very strong. Um, Mm -hmm. This change is definitely not gutting its abilities. It Mm -hmm. is very, very strong. Um, It still has the highest damage per second, still has the fastest time to kill for a long shot and is tied for you know the best accuracy uh, across all the shotguns. So mm-hmm. very, very strong. Nothing to concern there yourself with. It's still going to be the go-to shotgun. Um, Peacekeeper, though, is a little bit harder to analyze because those pellet changes choke up. It's a little bit more subjective in-game feel. But in terms of just where it stands, it's pretty solid. You know, it's Mm -hmm. in the middle of the pack. It's not the strongest, not the weakest, but of course it's different. You know, it has more range. It does hit harder. um, But the time to kill is on paper the slowest just because it can't quite hit those over 100s to the body and the Mm -hmm. fire rate is so, so slow. 
I think the question with those two shotgun changes and such is, are we bringing down the overall usability of the class per se as a gun and not particularly reordering them within there? Yeah. Maybe I, I still don't think these changes look to be enough, at least on paper, to do that if that's the goal. Not saying it is by any way, shape, or form, uh, but also really important to note that at least from our early usage on the map and first couple games, I've felt very much inclined to not use a shotgun. I feel like we're in very long lines of sight in terms of fights a lot of the time right now on this map, and so that in of itself could be a nerf to the shotgun class. It's all alone. <laughs> Yeah, I think that if you look outside of the shotguns and those map changes like you're talking about, and also the changes to the marksmen's and just the prevalence of SMGs this season, yeah, I think they're definitely less attractive of an option. Um, and, you know, the EVA change, again, is not very substantial. It's still incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. The damage per second uh, went from 132 down to 126. So, Really, if you ask me, that's not Make or a super break. I don't really think so. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the Mastiff. Um, the dual and shell, if yeah. this new mm-hmm. hop up really makes a difference. Um, having the ability to load one shell at a time or now two shells at a time is obviously not really going to affect your damage per second or your no. time to kill um, or your shots to kill, but it can do something in the feel of the game and in the feel of a gunfight. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, it is kind of drastic. You know, you're going down to putting in one round every half a second by putting in two. That's pretty Mm -hmm. fast. And being able to reload an entire magazine of six in about three seconds, as opposed to over six seconds without the hop up, that's a big difference. You know, that does make the full reload faster than the Peacekeeper. Mm -hmm. Almost ties... With the EVA, the EVA is still slightly faster on the full reload, but I do think that it it helps the Mastiff be more in in line with the others, a little bit more. It, it's not nothing, but it's not everything. Yeah, I, I always somehow with the Mastiff find myself in those just throw a pellet and try and shoot up close fights, and so this could very well sway those close range engagements, but definitely not the hop up we were hoping for per se, in terms of impact yeah. on the guns that we love and then the actual impact it's really making on the guns that we're not huge fans of in the Mastiff and 3030. Sorry, I know there's some 3030 haters or lovers in our community. We just haven't been able to enjoy it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, honestly, I like the choice of weapon. You know, I think the 3030 and the Mastiff definitely need the attention. That's really what hop-ups are designed to do according Mm -hmm. to the previous lead game designer for weapons um but another double-edged sword is that i don't think you're gonna not use these weapons or you're gonna Mm -hmm. miss these hop-ups at all if you don't have them and with the 3030 you may even opt for the shatter caps so you know it is what it is that being said it is kind of sad to us (laughs) that they added a hop-up without removing one, meaning that theoretically we could have kept the blessed Anvil receiver. Yeah, they're just going to say it's gold, so we can't. But we've had three gold before. We just love the Anvil. Make it purple. great. Do whatever you got to do. Do whatever you got (laughs) to do. Do whatever you got to do. Ain't that right for the Anvil? Let's keep rolling. We got L-Star changes. They reduced barrel effectiveness at all rarity tiers which means an increased recoil variability. 
They significantly reduced projectile collision size, and the damage was reduced from 18 to 17. Here's the dev note. The L-Star has been a force to be reckoned with this season, so we're taking a big swing and hitting its projectile size and damage in an effort to bring it down a notch. First impressions using the L-Star? Oh my gosh, it still hits hard. You know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of times we look at one damage differences and we maybe scoff at that or we don't really give it a, a proper look, but we will today. Um, overall, these notes, my reaction to the note is that that is a joke to me. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, obviously the L-Star was good this last season. The L-Star has been incredibly strong for the last two seasons, specifically in and out of the arena. Mm -hmm. So even when players are crying out in the streets in season eight with the L-Star meta in arenas, they then turned around and gave it a mega buff with barrel stabilizers, magazines, increasing mm -hmm. the cooldown like shots. So does this change now really pull the L-Star down? The recoil and projectile size is intangible, of course, mm -hmm. but does that one damage make a difference? Um, without getting super far into it. Essentially, this is something. This is meaningful. It's taking down the time to kill from 1.11 seconds, so very fast, to make it slower to be 1.18 seconds. So that's 6% slower on the time to kill. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of the damage potential, it is now 442 shots. If you hit all the shots in the mm -hmm. body, and you fully max out kind of the heat up cooldown. That's only down 26 damage from the previous season. Yeah. But the one kind of interesting thing is right now, LSR dominates, you know, unless you have a turbocharger, this is the energy weapon to use. Mm -hmm. But there is something interesting in that the Volt right now, it's time to kill is 1.11. Mm -hmm. used to be tied with the L-Star. And really, you would give the edge to the L-Star just because the accuracy percentage is so much higher because mm -hmm. it's an LMG and you have a lot of rounds to, to burn through. But now that the Volt's actually a faster time to kill and is still pretty flexible, I think you're going to find a lot more players opting for the Volt in all game modes over mm -hmm. the L-Star. That really comes down to will the changes to... The recoil and the projectile size yeah. make a major impact, but if we just give them the benefit of the doubt and say, yes, it will, then I think we might be shifting back to a Volt meta in the energy weapons. Yeah, and I mean, it's weird because we compare the L-Star and the Volt when it's an LMG and an SMG, but just yeah. in how the L-Star has always worked, it's felt yeah. like a closer range weapon and not so much like a rampage where you're using it at longer ranges. So yeah, I'm fascinated to see if the recoil and projectile size changes have an impact. I picked it up once today before we recorded, so I haven't played a ton of, on it, uh, but I didn't notice like a huge difference. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't control this weapon, brr, into the sky kind of thing. So um, we'll see. And if you're new to the game and trying out the L-Star for the first time, I'm curious to hear if uh, you feel like it's a nice, easy, approachable gun, because that was the pro of it for so long, was that it was like a very simple weapon to use. So one to monitor. And if anyone's new, join the Discord. <laughs> let's talk about the next change we got the longbow they reduced the damage from 60 to 55 dev note the opposite buff proved to be unnecessary so shake it down for us what does that 50 or not 55 damage reduction do for the longbow where do you think it's sitting in terms of snipers 
I think we have penciled it in the talk snipers this season. So yeah, we'll give a we'll, there's going to be a deep dive at some point. But first impressions are: should I be dropping every other gun I've ever picked up and rushed the longbow once again? <laughs> longbow is still strong. Honestly, mm-hmm. when you start with that, um, I was very shocked by this change in the first place. You know, <laughs> I didn't feel like the longbow needed it. Its mag mm-hmm. size, its rate of fire, is so strong already. But this change does revert. The fact that it now takes four shots to the body if somebody has blue armor as opposed to three to get mm-hmm. the knock. So that kind of early and mid-game nerf to longbow might be felt throughout the season. But if we just take a little bit of a snapshot at the snipers, longbow, still 78 damage per second. It's very strong. Mm-hmm. You take into the fact you you consider the fact that the Sentinel has a DPS of 36, and you're like, okay, wow, 78 doesn't sound too bad. Um, But also, it has the highest damage potential. So if you hit every shot in that huge 12 round mag, Mm -hmm. you're going to do 660 damage to the body. Very, Mm -hmm. very, very strong. With an accuracy requirement of 33%, you're living. The closest threat to the longbow is the triple take. And that's because it has a DPS of 90. It has more damage. So if you hit a shot to the body, it's going to do 69 instead of 55. Damage potential, if you hit all the shots, is going to be a little bit under that 660 at 621. But that accuracy is strangely tied at 33%. Mm -hmm. But you have a slower total magazine size at nine essentially once we take Mm -hmm. out all this whole extra ammo stuff we'll get into (laughs) um but you have to hit less shots so kind of the percentage makes it balance out Um, but this is one that i think we're definitely going to discuss later on in the season to talk which one is better and is there a case for the 30 30 or maybe the sentinel these are all fun weapons to use but i think like you said at the beginning when we were talking shotguns the season is gonna really be more so marksman sniper longer range dominated because of the map i think it's really interesting you know i I think they we go back and forth on the dev notes all the time on like which ones are providing value i think they kind of just nailed it with this one just saying the opposite buff proved to be unnecessary like they gave it five damage brought the 60 there was no real purpose for doing so per se it wasn't like a drastic change in either direction and so they just reverted it i guess so maybe that's how we can look at it Uh, before we talk about the care package changes our beloved g7 and the triple take here's a quick little word from our sponsors welcome back let's do it let's talk about it the g7 it is getting packed in the care package we had our moment of silence last week Let's break down our baby, talk where she's at. So the damage was increased from 34 to 36, getting its care package buff, essentially. And the double tap was added to the G7 scout. How are you feeling? This is you. This is the H7. I use the gun as much too, but it's your identity at this point with the podcast. So I know this one hits you really, really hard. Certainly nothing to celebrate over. You know, these no. buffs to the care package. Forget <laughs> that. Um it's, just, uh, just give it back to me <laughs> yeah seriously i mean let the countdown begin it's been exactly one day since the g7 was in apex legends so i eagerly await its return um a couple of things to kind of point out here is the fact that this is the first time since season six 
that a weapon received a damage buff going into the care package. And that was the R99, which was a bit of a joke. This move of the G7 was completely uncalled for, and the reckoning that the triple take will have on the game is one that was sadly forgotten by, I think, the developers and the player base. It's going to be a rude awakening uh, for all the folks that think it's a good switch between the G7 and the triple take. Yeah, the uh, the triple take is something else. Let's talk about it. It is back to pre-season three state and using energy ammo, but we have a little bit of a twist on how that works now. So the triple take now consumes three ammo per shot to reflect the triple element of the spread. Love that. The magazine size has been multiplied by three accordingly to keep the shots per mag the same as before. So base 18, white 21, blue 24, purple 27. The choke charge up time has been reduced to its pre-packed state of 1.1 seconds that's from 0.8 seconds so a 28 percent slower choke speed the damage of a fully choked shot to the body is 69 23 per spread oh my goodness we warned people after we used the preview event that this gun is something else I'm going to miss the G7. I will, but I am going to abuse the triple take for the time being. This gun is an absolute monster. It's it's the meta. We said it last week. We said that the triple take is going to be the marksman weapon in combo with the map like we've been talking about. This thing is an absolute monster in terms of up close shotgun, long range, incredibly top tier marksman rifle. Like it's no the sound of the triple take is one of fear. ultimate fear. It yeah. is unquestioned. I pretty much run from any triple take ever because it really doesn't take a whole lot of skill and they're just not going to miss and it's going to hit hard. You know, the positive person would look at these patch notes and say, okay, they're changing around the ammo consumption. That's a little bit of a nerf. They're bringing down the choke speed. All right, it's, it's going to be okay. Yes. You're right. They did bring the triple take back to its already overpowered state, which got it thrown in the care package in season nine. So that's mm-hmm. kind of with the choke. But guess what? It's returning even stronger than it was. Mm-hmm. Because now the triple take is an energy marksman. Energy ammo is easier to loot late game than sniper ammo. And ADS movement speed is that of a marksman and not a sniper. So Mm -hmm. instead of having a 65% reduction in movement speed, it's only a 57.5% reduction. Therefore, more triple takes than before in season nine, and they will be faster moving using shotgun strafe techniques. So in the end, join the triple take revolution or die to it. We must make the folks at Respawn beg us to have our G7 back. The G7 was by no means an oppressive weapon, in no, our opinion. Like we, we've been trying to get our community to use and abuse the G7 for, what, how long? Eight seasons at this point? 20 months. 20 months. And yeah. we still had people telling us 30-30 was better. So G7 was in a pretty cool spot in that way. Triple take, like you mentioned, it came it's coming back in the state that it was forced to be put into the pack of because it was so powerful so 
I think there's going to be some frustration. There's early signs of the frustration on Twitter, at least from what we've seen. We've been using the gun like crazy. I think the game played a joke on us, our very first game. And then in today, we dropped and found four triple takes in a building. Um, so that was something else on of its own. Yeah, join the revolution is correct. You're going to want to use this on this map and in general whenever you play. I'm already have bought it in arenas like this gun's just a laser theme it's easy to use it's a monster no doubt let's talk about some of the other changes to the loot so fully kitted gold weapons this season will be the mastiff 3030 the r301 car and the longbow i know you're really excited about the charge rifle being gone yeah thank you so much for removing the charge rifle it had no place in this lineup Yes, no doubt. I mean, there's a couple guns we're going to miss. You and I were both fans of dropping caustic treatment and uh, getting those uh, flat lines and rampages. But, dude, you said it earlier, but that lineup, longbow, car, R301, like car and R301 just on their own, that's going to be a dangerous duo of gold weapons. Yeah, this is a solid rotation. I think mm -hmm. uh, maybe the best one we've ever had in terms of uh, which fully kitted weapons we get. Um, so that's a really good thing to look at, and we like to see that. Yeah, and in part with the hot zones. The increased amount of gold loot that spawns in the hot zones is going to also help us get these guns. It's what we've been asking for forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of players just assume this is what a hot drop is, that a mm -hmm. hot zone has gold items and gold guns, and that is just far, far from the truth. It's never been that way even though it really should be. And mm -hmm. from what these notes say, it might be more true today than it was yesterday. So happy about that. And uh, yeah, more of a reason to drop hot. No doubt. And then we got supply drop changes as well. Early game crate weapon rate was increased from 25% to 50%. Mid game crate weapon rate was increased from 50% to 75%. And late game Great weapon rate was increased from 75% to 100%, and Kraber spawns have been reduced to keep them in line with what they were previously. So we weren't just getting Kraber on Kraber on Kraber late game with these changes. Uh, this is one we were kind of like confused about in the preview event because someone thought they said that it was going to be 100% the entire game, and everyone was going up to care packages and being confused by not being able to grab weapons. Uh, but I think, I don't, know, I don't know, we're both pretty excited for this one, getting these weapons at least it means that you'll be able to grab your g7 more often than not now <laughs> yeah maybe you know you, can, you can't bank on it but this is a really really nice change i'm happy with this um i think the care package exists to give you these good weapons you know i think it's the whole point mm -hmm. and i think that now you'll be more confident in approaching them knowing that you will get an alternator or a spitfire mm -hmm. or a g7 or a kraber like that's a really, really powerful weapon that you definitely want to prioritize. And in part, it's frustrating to get armor more so now than before because of mm -hmm. some crafting station changes. So I'll let you walk through those. But I think that those are another reason that this is such a great change to the supply crates. Yeah, I love these changes coming up. So the replicators got almost an overhaul this season. Yeah. <laughs> um, so increased ammo from crafting across the board. If you're talking light, heavier energy, you're going from 20 rounds to 60 per craft. Full stack. Full stack. Excellent. 
Mm-hmm. Love it. Shotgun ammo up from 8 to 24. Arrows 16 to 48. And sniper 12 to 36. So just increases across the board in different quantities. Kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely look out for those arrows. Um, but the crafting price increased from 5 materials to 10 per weapon that you're mm-hmm. holding. So for 20 crafting, you can get 120 ammo maximum. Now you're actually getting ammo, which yeah. is a serious like positive for replicators. I've wanted to use the bow for fun in pubs so much. Like I don't think we're at a place where it is a meta weapon anymore. That was like those first couple weeks it came out. But I want to use the bow, but it is so frustrating because you just run out of arrows. And now I actively have a way to go get them without just having to play Loba, essentially, to grab arrows. So I'm beyond excited for that change in itself and just giving the crafting station another reason to stop off. I think ammo is going to be very much not a concern this season for you anymore. This is a little slight ding of a nerf to Loba because one of our favorite things was being able to use her to grab ults or grab ammo infinitely. Obviously, there's a lot of limitations on crafting, but there's a little note, I think, to make maybe into the future. Yeah, I think that this is overall more of a reason to use replicators. And on top of that, they removed the sniper bundle and replaced it with the shotgun bundle that features the new hop up, the dual shell. So really, you're talking about every day having something that's pretty dang applicable to your favorite weapons. and Even the double tap. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Was pretty weird on release. Day one glitch. Tap. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Um, but now the big one for the replicator: Evo armor points from crafting have been increased from one hundred to one hundred and fifty. Love it. And the Evo armor points cost increased only from forty-five to fifty. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that for one hundred crafting materials, you can upgrade blue armor to purple armor that's a game changer in and out of ranked that is huge it increases the value of dropping out of replicator so much especially in ranked amp ups per se like we talk about how you kind of have to play with a little bit of fear when you get common armor and you roll out of the poi with common armor that will not happen to you if you drop at a crafting station, loot a couple bins, grab all the materials. You will be able to get blue. If you want to get real crazy and hit a second one, you can get really dang close, if not get purple without shooting a bullet in a pretty real way. And I love it because I think it sucks when you have to shoot someone. When you shoot someone that has common armor, you know it's kind of like an instant win in a way. Like blue, though, you can actually put up a fight against a purple or a red per se so i think it's a very healthy change for the game and another thing just adding rotate adding power to that replicator and another reason to drop or stop by it's big time Mm -hmm. and also make sure you're on the watch out now for them as well because more people will be using them to craft and nothing hurts more than getting shot when you don't have your armor because you're waiting for it to be upgraded essentially let's talk about some arena changes though got a couple so The supply drop now drops 10 seconds earlier. That's the first change. Lands outside the first ring. We were having some weird experiences with that where that wasn't always the case, though, per se. 
So I think a little more research is going to be needed on that. Uh, but purple weapons also now spawn more in earlier rounds. So round one, you're going to get one purple and two blues. Round two, two perp, one blue. Round three, three perps. And also, you no longer have blue havocs or devotions in the rotation for those care packages, as well as no more gold RE45. Do you think this one's going to be a, a big change at all to how we go about playing arenas? Because I know the care package or the supply job just recently kind of worked its way into our arenas game plan, per se, in the most recent yeah. season. Yeah, I think that I've been playing a lot of Alobas. Uh, of loba in arenas mm -hmm. and this is a juicy change to the care package this is serious i think that just increasing the quality of the weapons in it um, is big and the fact that its location and time is much more accessible and maybe less contested um, is big and that's going to mm -hmm. affect a lot of your buys you're going to be wanting to look um what each round is and really playing around that because you can completely dominate the eco of the game if you choose to buy a p2020 or a mozambique and mm -hmm. just hold back and either play loba and get those supply drop weapons for free or you just play the positioning you make sure that you get that gold rampage for the mm -hmm. purple volt you know these can really swing the tides and give you a huge advantage over a team that just does not have the money to afford those it could be such a huge shift because it could be it could turn arenas into a battle of positioning versus weapons. What is more important to you? Because currently there's not really a reason to go the opposite of the direction in which the ring is shrinking. If this forces you to have a reason to do so, you will get more fights where people are pushing into zone during an engage and that's going to change just the flow of an arena's match to give actual reasonings to go to either side even if that means you end up fighting on the side that's not going towards ring like that's just going to be a shift in how arenas is played so i'm really fascinated to see how that goes down in terms of weapon price changes uh the p2020 re45 prowler r9 and hemlock uh, all got a little bit cheaper and the mozambique ticked up in price any first impressions? Because I know that we're pretty big fans of the P2020 as an early buy. So now it's now it's even cheaper. Just saving money. Nobody listens. Nobody listens. The P2020 is a really, really good buy. And I, I favor it over the Mozambique just because it has more range. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to keep people back or play it in different maps in different situations. So still really recommending the P2020. But overall, these are good changes. You know, the R9 and the Prowler are hurting. The Hemlock is not a favorite here. So giving a little more incentive there is always great. Then there's a lot of RE45 lovers that I think use it a lot in arenas, even though maybe numerically it isn't the best option. <laughs> um, now maybe it's a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, so I like these. And overall, these changes to arenas and their structure, um, I think is a good improvement because it's going to encourage people to be a little more aggressive, have rounds end a little bit faster. And I think that's one of the reasons that people stay away from arenas because they think, oh, it's all about camping and that's not very fun. I want action. That's why I'm here. I think you're going to get more of that now. PVE changes. The Prowler health across the game has gone up from 90 to 114 on Stormpoint and World's Edge. And Prowlers on World's Edge and Flyers on King's Canyon now reward Evo points, 
of all damage done to AI now rewards progress towards your Evo armor. So nice little change and another reason to go drop at Trials, which is a location that uh, we very much enjoy. So I'm I'm really interested to see what people think of PVE over the course of the next couple of weeks. We'll probably keep talking about it a ton. Anything you want to say, though, before we dive into rank changes? I personally, my first reactions are they did a good job. And there's a reason to play that part of the game. There's also mm-hmm. the ability to ignore that part of the game. So I do want to hear what people have to say about it. Um, and we'll probably circle back around on how they really pulled it off. Totally. Okay, so we got some rank changes. Pretty major, we think. Yet to be seen on how it actually affects people. It's a topic we're interested in and if people are really passionate about, we may talk about it even more in depth later. But let's go through these changes. So for the Battle Royale, uh, here's the dev note. Skill in Apex can be evaluated in all sorts of ways. It's the amalgamation of gun skill, movement, positioning, awareness, legend mastery, and prevailing over everyone else as champion that separates the lowly bronze from Apex Predators. With that in mind, we want to provide more flexibility and nuance to how players can express skill when RP gains are at stake. Before escape, measurements have been simple and straightforward. We grant RP based on kill points and a placement multiplier. Now we're easing back on some RP restrictions to offer other routes to max out kill-related RP in a match. So now killing a higher-ranked player now grants players more RP. So if you kill someone of the same rank, 10 RP. That's the base. And then it goes up. If you kill someone one tier above you, 12. Two tiers above you, 15. Three tiers above you, 20. One tier below you, 8. Two tiers below you, 5 three tiers below you, three. Hopefully, in a perfect world, you are not playing against people two to three tiers lower than you, but a one tier difference is very reasonable, especially if you party up with someone where you're gold, they're plat. You feel a little bit better about it now, so I think that's very nice. The RP cap is going up from 150 to 175. You no longer need to win to hit the RP cap. There is no longer a kill cap in that sense. You just cap at 175, whatever route you take to get there. So for example, 6kp slash assist points and a first place that maxes out your total RP in a game, we believe. And fifth place and 10 kills slash assist points would net max RP as well. It's an interesting system. We're still trying to figure it out. Um, We've seen some early frustrations be expressed by higher ranked players that this will incentivize people to chase dive trails, you know, that having a KP of equal eight instead of 10 when they kill lower ranked players will hurt over time. But I got to say the UI changes to the ranked is amazing and how you can see who you've killed silver versus gold, how you can see the placement you're currently at the RP it reflects. I'm interested to monitor this. You mentioned an interesting thought. I want you to expand on it. You're like, is this shifting ranked more towards pubs with points? And that's, I think the big question is that what's going to happen here with these changes to how KP works? Yeah, I think that these changes to many players, including myself, feel a little uncalled for. You know, mm-hmm. why are we doing this? Why are we increasing the amount of kills you can get rewarded for yet again? You know, it feels like we just went up from five to six kill points. Um, but I think that it's important to point out that even though they say in their notes there's no longer a kill cap. There is a kill cap in sense. It's not really true. Like They Mm -hmm. say there's no longer a kill cap because you can get up to 10 kills and be rewarded for that, but Mm -hmm. it depends on the skill of the players that you uh, 
have slayed. So, yes. you know, there is still a cap on how much you can frag out depending on who's in your lobby. So mm -hmm. there still are, you know, the guards on. You yeah. can't completely just be playing like a maniac. Um, I think placement still does count um, mm -hmm. and that's going to be important. I think that the biggest thing here is that perception. You know, yeah. are players going to feel like they don't care because they ain't get points, more points for more kills, so they're just going to send it all the time. Yeah. Should they do that? Our first impressions, no, it isn't that drastic of a change, mm -hmm. but it really is all about perception. The fact that many higher players are thinking that, oh, gaining eight versus 10 for a kill against a less skilled player, but it you know, took the same amount of bullets to knock them, so mm -hmm. I should probably get rewarded. I, I get that, but I don't think that's enough of a point difference um, to really hold somebody back in any way. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's always been about is people feeling like I'm getting held back. I'm yeah. performing better than the ranked system is telling me I am. I want to do more. Now, to some extent, you can. And I like the visibility of having, okay, there was a pred in my game and I killed him. Now you'll actually know. And that's it's really, really cool. cool. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And optimistically, I very much hope that this is going to be a doesn't actually change a huge flow of how ranked is played but if you are that team that happens to survive three third parties at the beginning of the game but then that fourth one just comes in and gets you but your team together has nine kp and ap because you fought off so many teams it's not going to feel as demoralizing because you yeah. will still get positive rp versus before you may have gone negative in situations like that so that's i think where i hope this system is going like you said though interesting to monitor and see how or if it does change people's play style in any way shape or form let's talk arenas though because they also got some arenas changes arena ranked now has two splits uh, which is similar to ranked br uh, along with each new season and split there is a soft mmr reset and new placement matches new seasons require the usual 10 placement matches while a new split only requires five placement matches Improvements have been made to matchmaking for finding similarly skilled teammates. Enters at it. We'll see it when we believe it. Stay with that one right there. And reduce the AP amount gained or lost from MMR differences between teams. So dev note here. The final calculated AP amount for a match is a factor of your current AP and MMR. It's also influenced by the MMR difference between teams. In practice, this difference was factoring in more than we wanted example losing a match you were slightly favored to win was giving a bigger ap loss than desired i know you're passionate about this one it's really interesting to see the system in which they chose versus what maybe they could have done there had a lot of options and people are not happy with it hopefully this is a step in the right direction and i'm at a point with arenas where i'll wait longer to play people with similar to have people of similar skill on my team totally cool with that at this point yeah, I think across the board, the matchmaking and the point system is majorly flawed. And mm -hmm. I don't think that these notes adequately explain uh, the current state. You know, initially, ranked arenas was delayed because they wanted to perfect it. We are not in a perfect state of ranked arenas, mm -hmm. uh, not by a long shot. Um, a lot of these vague changes do sound good, you know making improvements to the matchmaking so there's similar skill and then decreasing the loss you're taking from just slight advantages is good um, but really at this point 
both the ranked BR and the ranked arenas, it's kind of an overly complicated system. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this crazy. And I think arenas is maybe ahead of the game on that and that there are no kills, there are no assists, mm-hmm. um, but Just it still is not perfect. And the other thing that I think has me on edge and a little bit defensive is the fact that we have not had any ranked distributions for the last mm-hmm. two seasons. And we didn't get any recap as to how did people ranked arenas go? Mm-hmm. How did we do? We have no idea. So that kind of makes it harder to tell, okay, am I in the top 5% or yeah. the top 20%? Mm-hmm. And you know, the rewards are as cool as they are, but really we want bragging rights. That's why we're playing ranked. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, there's just been a lot of secrecy on that yeah. front. And the answers that we're getting to clear problems are not enough. Mm-hmm. Still going to play ranked though. Still going to play ranked, still going to enjoy. <laughs> and hopefully this hopefully this stuff works. Like hopefully they, yeah. the vague comments that we think are obviously the issues that they recognize as being issues are going to be worked on and hopefully fixed. We'll see. We will see. Wait and see on this one. I feel like that's the best we can do. But that's all the patch notes. So some quality of life stuff here and there, but that's all the major stuff. Overall, looking forward to playing this season beyond excited. Anything crazy that you need to just reiterate outside of rip for the G7? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sad. You know, the new map is awesome. Totally. Some of the weapon changes are semi-impactful. Most notably, the triple take being back is a mm-hmm. major impact on the game. Huge splash. The ripple effect will be weeks and weeks and weeks. Um but outside of that, replicator changes are huge, and I think we're really going to enjoy kind of the improvements to the supply drop, both in BR and in arenas. So mm-hmm. there's a couple of those kind of gems sprinkled out throughout the season on top of a new epic map. So I'm pretty happy. I'm excited to play more, and hopefully uh, we get some more third parties in. Yep. Patch note summary, new map plus triple take. That's the way of life right now. Try out Watson. Just give her a little shot if you want to. Have some fun, maybe. See if it helps. But that's it. Thank you to our producer of the third party, Tang, who supports us on Patreon. Subscribe on Apple Pods. Drop a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. And check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We will catch you next time. Peace. Hey, now. Another squad coming in. Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.